Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. You can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system strategy or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is June 23rd, and uh, Andy, um, I think what's becoming a uh, monthly ritual is let's, why don't we start out with uh, Russia. Uh, good morning, by the way. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. We'll uh, start with uh, Russia supply. Now, I've been reading that it might be actually up from recent yeah, lows. It, yeah, it looks, it looks like it could be slightly higher than... Uh, where it was in either April or, or May. Before the invasion, crude uh, and condensate production was um, you know, roughly around 11.2, 11.3 million barrels a day, of which over 7 million barrels a day were, uh, were exported. That went down quickly in, uh, in April and May to, pro to under 10 million barrels a day. And it looks like uh, during in June, at least according to their uh, oil minister and also uh, other other market watchers, that uh, their production may have uh, increased by um, let's say two or three hundred thousand barrels a day. So, which is not what the EU certainly wanted to wanted to see or the or the U.S. So, you know, I think I think right now uh, Russian production is is probably around. Let's say 10, 10, 1, 10, 2 for, for both um, crude and, and condensates. So, the numbers that we had seen as consensus were basically that Russia had 2 million barrels of oil and products off the market. Now we expected, or the consensus expected, uh, a total of 3 million down the road. Is, is, is that still, you still like those numbers? No. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, what, what has happened is that, that Russia has been able to replace some of uh, its markets in the, um, you know, in the, in the EU. They certainly have been uh, very successful in uh, selling to India. Uh, India, before the invasion, was taking like 50,000 barrels a day, and th that's gone up to... Uh, you know, 600 or 700,000 barrels a day. So a big increase out of India. And it looks like China's lifting more as well. So, you know, the, these, the, the barrels are at a big discount. And, right. uh, you know, they're, they're trading. You're not sure exactly where they're trading, but let, let's say it's still, you know, around $30 uh, under Brent. Uh, and, and that's been uh, a big incentive, uh, particularly for, uh, for India. I think, uh, you know, as to the question, you know, the IEA had said they thought ultimately it was going to be, let's say, a million, go I'm sorry, up to three million barrels a day losses. And I don't think that's going to be the number. I think it's going to be between 
one and a half and two uh, million barrels a day when it's uh, all said and done, and maybe even closer to only a, a million and a half. Now, the EIA sees Russian production going down to uh, 9.2, 9.3 million barrels a day by the end of next year. So they've got it down, they've got it down too. I think, you know, as I said, I think one and a half to two may be the, the final number. Maybe, maybe it'll be less than that, Jim, but certainly I, you know, I'd be surprised uh, if, it, if it gets to uh, 3 million barrels a day. So relative to, ex to market expectations, you know, that, that's a bearish development. You know, the key will be if Euro stays discounted, of course. Well, that's I had two comments. One is is if if I'm Russia, is India is India my friend or a foe? Because they're yes, they're buying barrels, but they're taking advantage of uh, deep deeply discounted barrels. And uh, number two, do you, do you think this is in the market already? This do you think that's part of what why, why we've come off our highs a little bit? Yeah, I do. Uh, I I think that is uh, I, I think that, uh, and we'll talk about the demand side shortly but uh yeah i do think that i think that's uh part and parcel of the of the uh sell-off here is, is russian output being slightly high you know higher than uh than market expects and going forward it looks like it's going to be uh higher than what the market had originally ex expected uh as per what the iea had said and um i know and oftentimes when we have these kind of disruptions in supply or embargo type situations, uh, countries that you wouldn't expect to produce oil or they produce a little bit all of a sudden become record producers. Like during the uh, Iraq uh, situation, we saw a lot of oil coming out of Syria. And so, you, you know, I, to, to simplify my question, do you, do you see any slippage like that going on? Like, is it going to be hard to, um, you know, sneak uh, Russian barrels onto the market through some kind of backdoor? Uh, mechanism. Well, I, I, is it going to be hard? I, well, they, they've been, you know, the, the, they have been backdooring it. I mean, they, they've been, um, you know, following the, the Iranian lead by, um, you know, placing their, placing their barrels in different ports, you know, and sort of rebranding them as, as non-Russian oil. And they've done that with, with uh, products as well. So the, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely been slippage now whether you know we'll see what happens in the you know on the eu embargo you know how much you know how much slippage there actually is uh the the friendship pipeline is going to remain open you know at least the southern the, the southern part of the the pipeline is going to is going to still be open but 90 you know europe is, is looking for 90 percent effective rate on um on Europe ex on European exports on uh, Russian exports. Hmm. Um, let's move over to China because China demand is really an important part of this supply demand balance. Um, they've gone into uh, lockdowns and what you've seen some of the uh, estimates of um, the IEA, the EIA, and OPEC. Uh, what do you, what's your thoughts going forward uh, second half of the year for China? Well, one would think they they should if they come out of lockdown. You know, they, they sh we should see their production up. You know, they probably lost over a million barrels a day of uh, maybe more than that of demand in the in the first half of the year. Uh, one would think that they will be able to make up those losses and, um, you know, show, maybe show some growth year, year on year. 
assuming that there's no, um, you know, there's no, there's no further lockdowns, but then we're, then, you know, we're looking at if there is a uh, recession, a global recession, certainly that that's going to uh, affect Chinese distribution, exports, trade, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty on uh, where, where Chinese demand is, is going. You know, we have it year on year uh, up by about 200,000 barrels a day. But before the um, year started, I think most expects were up 800 to a million barrels a day this year, or let's say 700 to, to a million barrels a day growth in Chinese demand. And, you know, the first half has basically taken that away. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to really, I think they're going to struggle to get to get growth this year. Some people are real are, you know, really bullish on, on Chinese demand. And, um, you know, they're really bullish on price. We're, we're less so, hmm. much less so. And uh, another, another area of uncertainty is uh, OPEC plus uh, policy. They are, have been trying to, they say they're going to increase or they're allowed to increase by 400 or actually last night, last month, it was 600,000 barrels a day, but they can't, they're not making those numbers. Can you just kind of talk about? No, they're, they're not making those. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got to, uh, you know, they, they've got to come up with something for when this, um, when this deal ends, uh, which is, it, which is in September, you know, the key on, the key on OPEC, as, as you mentioned, is, that, well, there are two, two really important points. One, you mentioned a number of producers aren't going to be able to increase production beyond where they are right now. And, uh, you know, they're not even making their, their number. The spare capacity is in Saudi and, and the UAE. And um, we'll see what, what Saudi policy is. They're, they're about to go up to 11 million barrels a day from 10 and a half million barrels a day where they are just about now. They've never really sustained that number, Jim. Right. Uh, there is some market uncertainty as to, you know, is that, gonna, is that doable? I, I think it will be, but the question then is, you know, their their spare capacity is is only a million beyond that, or maybe maybe a million and a half beyond that. Do they bring that on? And if they do, then the market is then the market is going to freak out about no spare capacity. Right. So you know, it's it's kind of a, a difficult call here for the for the Saudis as to what you know, where they want to produce. The UAE too can, can increase production. And then we have, you know, the uncertainty, Venezuela, for instance, you know, they may be able to increase production. The Total just lifted some Venezuelan barrels to take to uh, Europe. So we may be able to see uh, Venezuela come up with uh, some extra barrels. And then there's the big, the wild card of Libya. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's certain what their production is, Jim. You know, one, one side is saying it's only 100,000 barrels a day. The other is, is saying it's 700,000 barrels a day. And, uh, you know, there's, there's been constant conflict between the East and the West. But certainly, 
we need at least 700,000 barrels a day from Libya, and they've, they've got capacity to probably get it up to 1.112. So there could be another half million barrels a day coming from, uh, coming from Libya, which too would be, you know, is, would be, is needed. Right. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things going on now where things are happening at the worst possible time. Right. And, uh, you know, Libya is certainly one of them. You would, you would think the uh, high price of oil would get parties together. <laughs> there's so much money involved, right? You can, but that doesn't always yeah, happen. Yeah, you would, but there's also, you know, there's this, oh, you know, deep geopolitics. Of course. Right. It's geopolitics. So you haven't um, mentioned you haven't mentioned Nigeria. Have you given up on Nigeria's ability to increase production? Meaningfully, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a big increase out of uh, Nigeria. I mean, maybe that maybe they can kick in fifty or hundred thousand barrels a day, but I, I don't. You know, I, I really don't think we're going to see much more much more from uh, from Nigeria. So you know, the key is where. The, the key is going to be, obviously, as always, you know, where, where Saudi Arabia goes in the in the second half of the year. You know, I suspect they're going to try to get over 11 million barrels a day, not 12. I mean, that that would really that that wouldn't be beneficial for the market, I don't think. But I, I, th- I think they're going to try to get over over 11 and we, we should see more from the UAE. Iraq is another producer to watch. Um, there's this is going to surprise our listening audience, but there's, there is conflict between uh, Iraq and the Kurds uh, <laughs> as to who, who owns the, you know, where the revenue is going. So, um, you know, that, that's another OPEC producer that has that probably over the, over the next few years can, can increase meaningfully over the next two to four years, not in the, not in the near term. So, yeah, yeah, so- there's, a, there's a lot, of, as always, you know, so what, there's a lot going on with OPEC. So one one quick question. You know, do you happen to know what the uh, what the U.S. president's protocol is when when uh, meeting royalty? Are you ex- are you expected to bow? I don't think the U.S. No, I don't think we bow. Okay, I was just and wondering because I don't know cause... if he's going to bow. I don't see him bowing to uh, <laughs> you know Prince Prince Salman. Oh, Prince, when, right? When and if they you know when and if they meet. Right. Um, you know, Boy. I, I don't, uh, I don't I, think that's happening. I, you know, you, you kind of need, uh, need to follow the news very closely to figure out what the U S energy policy is these days. And, um, it's, it spins like a top and, and, uh, that's, I'm not, I'm trying not to be political here, but that's just what it looks like from a person who's an independent, but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. So we might not get a lot of relief from the supply side. What, what, let's talk about the demand side for a little bit. Um, these, uh, you know, crack spreads, uh, gasoline and diesel distillates, they're, they're, they're out of sight. What's, uh, what, what happened to the old adage, high price is the cure for high price? That has not happened so far. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it won't, Jim, but you know, certainly one of the big factors that, that we've discussed, I think, is, is global refinery capacity and U.S. refinery capacity. We've shut 
or repurpose the million barrels a day since the uh, since the pandemic. And um, it, it turns out we we probably could have used some of that refinery capacity to. It, we we definitely could have used some of that refinery capacity. Right now, is pro there's another million barrels a day of uh, capacity that that's offline due to maintenances or operational issues, um, and those are going to come back uh, because these margins are are you know they're out of sight. Mm -hmm. If you look at the if you looked at the <laughs> diesel crack today, it was over seventy dollars a barrel. Uh, gas is in the, you know, in the fifties, it's, it's come off some today, but you know, those are, those numbers are in, uh, we're talking about, you know, hyperspace type numbers. So, you know, refiners, uh, I know the administration has been whining that refiners should produce more. And believe me with that kind of, with that kind of return, if they could, they would. Yeah, uh, and they will when when you know some of this capacity co comes on. I think we'll be you know we should see wholesale prices come off uh, nicely over the next you know in, into later into July and August, maybe sooner than that. And with it, we should also see retail prices come off because I, I think refiners are going to make certainly as if we look at gasoline, uh, I think they're going to make enough and maybe more than enough. To meet what looks to be now looks to be and you know some so far lackluster demand. Yeah, uh, I was going to bring that up. Um, last month we talked about how when you when you look at the four week averages of of what what is called implied demand of gasoline, it looked like it was starting to flag a little bit. And um, I'm just wondering, compared to last year, uh, looks like some of the indicators are that we're under last year already. Is yeah, it, yeah, that's right. We're so, under last year and we're way under the pre, you know, the 2019 numbers. And so, yeah, gasoline is, is demand is not, you know, has so far has not been encouraging at all. It's early in the summer, but it didn't look like uh, Memorial Day was, was, you know, met expect, expectations. And, you know, I think going forward, these high prices, at least they do have an effect on uh, on demand at, at, at the margin um, and some people may be forced to replan their uh, you know what, what had promised to be a really great vacation you know driving summer driving season you know may, maybe it won't come come up to where you know to market expectations and it is it the same story for uh, distillates and diesel are you seeing the high prices because it, it seems like that's more sort of economy driven, but um, are you seeing demand in those areas uh, flag a little bit? Yeah, it looks like the last couple of weeks were not, were not great on diesel, but it's only been, a, it's, it's only been a couple of weeks. So, you know, same with gasoline. I mean, you can't get, you need a bigger, a, a larger picture, but it does look like diesel demand is, is, is softening. Look, you know, diesel prices, diesel retail prices at, at the pump are also through the roof. And, and there was an excellent article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, about you know truckers maybe not not taking long as long a roof uh, long routes as uh, they might because of the because of the um, cost of diesel is making those routes non profitable. Right. So um, 
you know, and, and, and you're right about uh, certainly, you know, the one thing that gets hit right away, if we, if we go into an economic slowdown uh, is going to be diesel demand because that's, you know, that's rail trucking shipping. So, you know, if global trade slows um, or, you know, manufacturing slows and, and there've been some disappointing manufacturing numbers lately, um, you know, I think we could, we can look for diesel demand to get, to get hit, which is a good thing because diesel supplies are, are still globally, they're, they're still really tight, you know, particularly here in the U.S. Northeast, you know, they're, they're still way too low. Um, so, you know, we, we could use, you know, we need some relief or we need some supply and demand relief. I'll ask the, um, the guy who delivers Amazon packages to our neighborhood. He told me that they, uh, they have an algorithm that tells them what, where to go next. And they, it doesn't allow them to make left turns. I'll see if the algorithm uh, has a diesel price in there. Maybe it's more efficient now to, make, to, to minimize the, the, the uh, travel distance and not so much the time. But anyway, Jim, it should, right? It mean, should. It definitely but, should. That should be one of the, the big variables, <laughs> right? And the al- algorithm has to be. Has to have optionality in there, Andy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Jim, but I, I, you know, I definitely see way less Amazon trucks in the neighborhood. Yeah. Than, uh, you know, certainly then during the height of the pandemic. Oh yeah, definitely. No. And some people are going out to actually going out to stores, but yeah, you're right. See a lot less. Yeah. They were running over each other for a while there. Um, so when you add all this up, Andy, let's talk about inventories and then we'll get into pricing, but um, what what's we we building? We still drawing? Where where the heck are we in these things? I, well, we we're building. It looks like you know the, the it looks like the la- we're building slightly. You know the the IEA talked about OECD commercial inventories uh, building in uh, April and May. You know we're still way below where we you know we're, we're still. I think the number is, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's somewhere over 200 million still below the, the 2015 to 2019. Yeah, it's um, two, 290.3. I think. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say 270. Yeah. But uh, okay, so, we're, we're, you know, so we're still, you know, we need to keep building. And, you know, the, the and I think we will. I mean, our, our numbers are, you know, we're, we're looking for builds going forward, I know the EIA, uh, as it gets into 2023, is looking for like a million barrels a day uh, for almost the whole year next year. So, you know, if believe those numbers, you know, that would be bearish going going forward. So, but they're, they're you know, these numbers, as always, they're, they're really hard to, um, the, 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 at least the demand side, you know, it's, it's hard to get a, a, a handle on it. And, and in terms of, you know, we're, we're looking for up 2 million barrels and 2.5, and I'm just about to get that, you know, to reduce that to 2.2 million barrels a day demand growth. And it might even be less than that for 20, for 2022, which would leave, you know, which would leave more room for growth, particularly if, um, you know, if we get increases from Saudi and some of the other producers that we, you know, OPEC producers and uh, non-OPEC producers as well. 
So, you know, we're, we're still seeing surpluses. I know that we're, you know, not on the, not on, not on the majority side. I, I know there are a lot of banks and, uh, you know, some of the Wall Street guys who are talking about the structural deficits, you know, our numbers don't show it. It doesn't mean we're right, but, you know, I, I'm looking for, I'm looking for built. Yeah, it's, um, th there's also, the, we're, we're, I think we're still seeing an effect of uh, pent up demand uh, from, you know, being shut down for a couple of years effectively. And uh, maybe that, maybe that demand kind of tails off a little bit. It's not as sharp. Yeah, but it remains to be seen. It's a uh, very, very uh, highly uh, variable. We've seen- there, there is, there is one, you know, the other big variable, you know, besides what we, you know, what we have on paper, the, the other major variable is just the dislocation. You know, you, you're, you're seeing all kinds of, um, you know, create crazy trade, trade routes developing, you know, just, just look at the Russia, India, you know, the amount of barrels going to India or, or China, uh, some of these prop tra trades is, you know, you, they're just, they're not normal. So, you know, and, and there's the emotion, right? Are we going to be short this winter, right? Are we going to have enough? So that I think that, you know, that certainly lends, lends itself to a, a stronger market than what, you know, what the paper may indicate. So we've, we've seen weakness in crude and a lot of it, people are talking about how it's part because the Fed's getting aggressive now. They raised rates, what, 75 basis points. What, what, do, you th what do you think's in the market? What do you think's not in the market right now? All the stuff we talked about. I know it's a hard question. That is a, <laughs> that's a hard, that's, that's a really hard question. I know. Uh, you know, I, I, I think what's, yeah, I, I think the market is beginning to discount uh, more of a more of a slowdown and with the potential of a, of a recession. I think it is discounting, and we've talked about this earlier that Russian supplies may not be as as great a losses as um, as expectations. And you know, it's also discounting a long, you know, drawn out war with Ukraine. So, so I think that it's, you know, it's discounting a lot. I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to get, you know, there've been all these 100, there've been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of calls on price of 150 or $200. Things are going to have to change, you know, for that, for that to come to pass, I believe. You know, I, I think the market is, is getting more comfortable with, uh, hey, you know, it could get, you know, there could be price weakness ahead. Interesting, you say that, Andy. The um, the big open interest in in Brent options is the D one fifty called around thirty eight thousand, and the SEP one fifty called twenty nine thousand. Those are two two of the bigger open interest uh, strikes. And um, maybe um, it's a good time to make a couple of comments about options. The um, D twenty two one hundred call is down to forty eight thousand. That's the one we tr we were tracking uh, first quarter of last year. Uh, when when they had, uh, somebody was building a big position in there, so it's um, I think I think the high of that thing got up to like seventy five thousand, but that's coming off. Um, interesting, you still see you know more calls and puts trading, but um, yeah, yesterday we started to see you know if I look at just Brent options, there were, there were more call, calls and puts, but puts were active. There was like eighty one thousand puts to one hundred twelve thousand, and that's um, you know that that's a 
a pretty good percentage of puts puts the call volume based on what we've seen recently. And uh, we're starting to see some open interest pick up in the put side. So I, I don't know if that's a, you know, one of these major country hedges coming in, but um, you know, it's, a, I'd say it's just a little bit different than what, what we've been seeing. The other um, thing going on in options is, is, you know, you have the war breakout market, you know, explodes to the upside volatility explodes to the upside. And now we're in this uh, pattern where, you know, implied volatilities are high, but the actual volatilities aren't coming up to that level. So, so for now, the front month, we see um, implied around 49%, but the 20 day historical is 34. Now, they, they don't have to, you know, be related to each other for a lot of, I mean, they're, they're related, but they don't have to be uh, close all the time for different reasons. But when, when this kind of thing happens, what we see is as you get closer to expiration, people will uh, give up on their option length in the front month and either sell it out or roll it to the next month. So you start to see the front month vol collapse on the back month. And we saw that in uh, Gulf War One. Uh, I posted in LinkedIn and people said we also saw that in uh, 2008 as well. So um, just a, for, for sort of option nerds, you, know, you see if that uh, pattern continues. But uh, what else? Anything else, Andy, that you we, we missed? Uh, would you call is that is that would you call yourself an option nerd? <laughs> uh, I would say yes. Yes. I and think I, you could be. Yeah. I think you could be a, a, like ca a captain of the nerd team. Well, <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for members, you know, that's why I'm right. on LinkedIn. So, you know, and on our website. So, yeah, definitely get in touch with me if you are have the same uh, interests, but yeah. I think, um, there, I think there are many, 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 oh, many. Oh yeah. That's it's, it's funny when I put this sort of, I, I don't, you know, I don't even think it's esoteric, but I guess it's, you know, it's, it's in the world. It's like, you know, it, I'm, I'm, uh, I won't say humble, but I, but I understand that options are at best the tail of the dog and they don't nest. They don't, wag the dog like some people are really into oh you know look at the skew and that means this is going to happen it's I, i'm not crazy like that but it's really interesting to see watch the flow of options and um you know and you can see it show up in volatilities as to what actually is happening and compare it to the to the rhetoric you hear you know the supply demand stuff you hear every day and you look at the look at the option market and sometimes sometimes you see something totally opposite happening. You go, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like early on uh, uh, in 2020, when we saw those uh, deep out of the money puts in the spread options trading, but with big numbers and we go, whoa, somebody's looking at, you know, some serious contango and, and sure enough, you know, went to minus four, uh, you know, the front one month went to minus 40. The, the spread actually went to what, minus 60, I think. So somebody, a lot of people, it showed up to me that that significant move showed up in the option world first. So that's kind of stuff I look look for. And then like last year in first quarter, we, we saw, we began to pick up on these, um, you know, these 100 calls of the following year. And I was like, Whoa, somebody's, you know, that's, that's an interesting uh, view and, and with, with big size, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of volume behind it. Anyway, that's, um, you know, that, that's what I do. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we talked about those these hundred calls for a long time. Yeah, and and 
you know, there's kind of kind of right. The market kept going higher. And then, of course, they get the uh, the windfall with the uh, Russian invasion. Right. And, and right. then you, then you start to see the two way two way paper flow of, you know, people, people getting in, people getting out, stuff like that. Profit taking. And uh, yeah. Uh, so moving along here, Andy, what are we what are we what, anything we missed that you wanted to talk about? Well, we I think we, we missed um, a, a couple of things. One is uh, U.S. Uh, production, uh, U.S. crude crude production, which yes. the um, you know the EIA is is we're we're at twelve now. The the EIA is saying we're going up to by December, we're going to go up to twelve point six, which I I think that's right. You know, at least I mean we we've, we've been under underestimating or we've been over we have been overestimating yeah um where, where we thought u.s production was going to be and it, it's come out you know lower than what we thought you yeah. know I, I still think it's it's probably going to be slightly higher than what the um what the eia has said there's, there's certainly more there's, there's definitely more pressure on uh, some of these producers to uh you know to to increase and um i think the the administration uh, and we, we mentioned that, and we don't want to get too political on the on this call. But there there are certainly some things that uh, they can do that the administration can do to to maybe make things easier for uh, some of these domestic producers to uh, increase increase output because it, you know we need it. I mean, yeah. uh, and I think the the one thing that makes sense to me is to stop bashing them, you know, and try to help them out. But I, I, I think looking at where the rig count is and looking where the ducks, you know, we, we expect production is going to rise faster than, uh, you know, what the EIA, EIA is saying. So I, I, th I think that would, be a, that would be a good thing. I assume that's uh, mostly coming out of the Permian? That increase? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the, some of the other basins, but you know the per, the Permian is is, cer is certainly the most important basin in the in the um, in the U.S. by by far. And the other thing uh, I know we we talked about this is is exports and uh, the the SPR. Uh, the SPR is being released by uh, at a million barrels a day, so that's like a you know fairly decent sized producer, and that's going to go on till. You know that's going to go on till um, that's going on till October till November um, of, of of this year. At which point, you know, I think we can expect maybe there'll be another tranche released. It's mostly sad. It's more sour than sweet that's being released, and we're seeing some of these sweet diffs um, decline, and we're also seeing Brent TI decline. So ultimately, you know, these barrels, these SBR barrels, are going to be exported. Um, which is good, which is what I, I think what the plan was, you know, the, right. the, this excess would be, you know, that this will be, ex, this will be exported onto, uh, onto world markets. So it will continue to, to be watching, uh, watching that. And uh, I guess we've, uh, we're exporting a lot of products and, and um, what HGLs as well. I mean, it's, yeah. 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 We're, we're, uh, you know what's happened is that Mexican, you know, Mexico is still having problems uh, in their um, 
I, th I think their capacity is only something like 58%, Jim, running 58, 60, mm. 60%, which is really, you know, unbelievably poor yep. given where the, where the margins are. So a lot of U.S. products are ending up in Mexico. Mexico has just commissioned a new, a new refinery that, um, you know, should be ready at some point in the future. I don't know. You know, it's already doubled in cost from nine billion to eighteen billion, and God yeah. knows what it'll be when it's ready to, you know, when it's ready to go. Yeah, um, I think they had it at the end of next year, but you know, I wouldn't bet on it. You brought up U.S. oil production, and uh, the other thing we didn't mention was the non-OPEC production. We're going to get some help out of the. I, I, did I see? Was it the EIA? or the IEA said that OPEC production might be flat in, in 2023. Non-OPEC? No, OP OPEC plus being flat 2023, part, part of well, that's Russia, but non-OPEC. It's all Russia. Yeah, it's all Russia. So, but non-OPEC is, is going to be up a few million. Non-OPEC excluding Russia. Right. And that's right, right. Yeah. So, coming yes. from, yeah, that's coming from us, U U.S., Canada, Norway, uh, Guyana, yes. um, and Brazil. Brazil. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, non-OPEC production is well, should have a really good year next year in terms of growth, but that's going to be counterbalanced by uh, the you know some of the loss of uh, of Russia, and we'll see what that you know what that number is. So, do you want to do you want to venture out and say, you know, either what what a price range you have going till our next podcast or. Well, or, you know, you wanna... we, we were, uh, I know we were looking for, you know, under one Oh five by July, you know, in July, let's say. So that was actually a good call. Yes. Didn't quite have the rally up to one. Well, you know, the recent rally up to one twenty, but you know, yep. at least we had it, at least we had it coming off. Uh, you know, Back to being an options nerd, we, we spend a lot of time looking at the standard deviation or, or the implied volatility. So when oil analysts, and there's a couple that are out there that say, I think the price is going here, and then in six months in there, right? And then you look at the path it took, you know, it dropped, right. by, dropped by 20 bucks first before it went up. It's the path is very, it's important, but okay. So, so we got a fresh right. start. So I'm, but Jim, I, I came, I came right out and admitted it. No, no, uh, I know. I was, yeah, yeah. No, that I was wrong. Not, <laughs> I understand. I didn't no, it's, quite see that. I didn't quite see that one. No, it's uh, not. And it's, it's, it's just as hard to try to predict what the standard deviation is going to be derived from the option right. market too. So right. no, no, I'm just saying the path is important, but so we're, what do you think now? Do you think that's still a good, good number? under 100 yeah I, I mean i i think we could take a look under 100 easily the question is going to be you know the market is is to to really sell off broadly you know i don't i don't see that because of the lack of spare capacity right. i think that's a big you know that that's a big and important issue and and it should be so you know broad scale sell-off i don't really see you know i don't i don't see that we could get under 100 maybe into the 90s um beyond that i think it would be uh it would be pretty difficult now if you know if demand stays really strong stronger than what what we think 
you know, and there's, there is no real pullback and driving is unbelievable in the US and, and globally and the economy is just cranking away. Could we get back to 115, 120? Yeah, I, I guess we could, but my, my um, I know this is also gonna shock Jim Colbert who <laughs> sat beside me for, I don't know. Too many decades. years. Yes. You know, my bias is to the downsides. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as, as, as usual, Jim. It's gonna be interesting, the, um, these inflation numbers, you know, oil's a big part of it. Energy's a big part of it. They're, they're, it's going to be hard to sort of continue the, you know, unless, unless something big happens to to continue the uh, numbers as the, the acceleration on the upside, basically, as I'm trying to say. The, right. these, these comparisons are going to start flattening out a little bit. And um, I, I, I can't, it's probably a little early to say, but it looks like we've seen the green shoots of a short covering rally in the 10-year note. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. If, and, that, and that may be picking up on, you know, uh, a slower economy and, and better inflation numbers, stuff like that. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, so the market- All right, market. I think we covered, I think we covered a lot. We did. Um, if, if anyone wants to uh, get a hold of us, check our website, commodityresearchgroup.com. If you want to get me by email, it's a LeBeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. I am on LinkedIn. So, um, so you know, feel free to, to reach out to me. Or sounds, Jim. sounds good. Thanks, Andy. See you next month. Thank, okay, Jim. Thanks.